Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Dobberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. As a general rule, I don't like to see the study of traditional Jewish texts used as a way to escape the world. There are, there have been in our tradition and are today, many people who kind of bury themselves in Jewish texts and ignore the rest of what's happening in the society or in the world at large. I don't like that. But every once in a while, especially when things get hectic and tumultuous, it's good to take refuge in our tradition of text study. So after two tumultuous weeks of elections in Israel and elections here in the United States, issues which I have spoken about and will speak about in the future, I want to use this episode of the podcast to teach a section of Talmud that has nothing to do with elections, but everything to do with daily life. And that's one of the marvelous things about Talmud. Through the thousands of pages of Talmud, there are some discussions which aren't about sacrifices, which aren't about prayer, which aren't about um, issues of purity and impurity, which are not as applicable today, but issues about daily life. Daily life as it existed hundreds of years ago, but easily transferable to things that happen in our society. So I just want to share with you a brief section of Talmud that we've been from the section that I've been studying with a group of people here in Ann Arbor, a section that comes from uh, the, the order known as Nizikin, which deals in general with damages and civil law. And in this particular case, from the section of Bavakama, which deals in fact with liability and damages. I want to present to you this, the discussion of the Talmud. It's very brief. And then I'm going to leave you to think about how it applies in your life and how you would answer the question of which approach presented here is more reasonable. Before I teach the actual section, I want to give you the structure of it. In the Mishnah, the earlier section of the Talmud, coming from the first code of rabbinic law, we have a statement about a particular law. It's anonymous but later it is attributed to Rabbi Meir as many of the anonymous statements in the Mishnah uh, are. So I'm going to say that it's the tradition of Rabbi Meir, even though his name is not mentioned. Then there's a qualification, a limitation placed upon that by Rabbi Yehuda. There, however, seems to be a problem with the limitation that Rabbi Yehuda presents. So in the later part of the Talmud, the Gemara, a rabbi named Rabbah comes along to reinterpret what Rabbi Yehuda said. He said this is what he really meant, and it removes some of the problems that we might have with the particular position taken by Rabbi Yehuda. And then the question is then thrown back to the, 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 the tradition of Rabbi Meir. How would Rabbi Meir feel about Rabbi Yehuda's amendment to his law as it was interpreted by Rabbah? You'll see how it works. So here's the statement in the Mishnah. Nishbarak tarabim. And I'm going to translate it this way. A pitcher is broken in the public arena, in the public area. Somebody's carrying a pitcher and it, it is broken. It doesn't start out as being broken, but it's broken while they're in the public arena. I'm explaining it that way a little awkwardly. You'll see why in a moment. If a person were to then slip on the water that spilled from that pitcher or hurt themselves on the shards of pottery that 
were thrown to the ground when the pitcher was broken, the person who owns the pitcher who was carrying it is responsible. If I'm carrying a pitcher of water in the street and it breaks and things are scattered on the ground, the water is uh, scattered on the ground and somebody gets hurt, it's my responsibility. I am liable. Rabbi Yehuda comes along and says, If it was intentional, you're obligated, you're liable. But if it was unintentional, you're exempt from any liability. This seems to be a problem. It seems to be a problem for two reasons. First of all, assuming that what Rabbi Yehuda meant was, if I broke the pitcher on purpose, I'm responsible then we go back to the original statement in the Mishnah, which says the pitcher was broken and uses the passive voice. If it was talking about a case where someone intentionally broke a pitcher, why wouldn't it just say a person who breaks a pitcher in, uh, in, in, in the public arena? It doesn't. It says a pitcher was broken. It uses the passive voice. So when Rabbi Yehuda comes along and says, if it was intentional, you're liable. If not, you're not. It doesn't seem to match up with the language. But the bigger issue is, is it really fair? Is it fair for a person to say, well, I'm sorry you got hurt, but I didn't mean for the pitcher to break? So the question is, how do we understand what Rabbi Yehuda said to make it a little bit more reasonable? And that's where Rabbi comes along. And Rabbi says, you're misunderstanding what Rabbi Yehuda meant. What he meant was, if there was any intentional act that caused the breaking of the pitcher, you're responsible. Even if all you were doing, Rava says, is taking the pitcher off of your shoulder and it broke, that is an intentional act. So what he does is he interprets Rabbi Yehuda's statement as meaning, if the pitcher broke as a result of something that you did, even if you didn't intend to have the pitcher break, but you just were moving it in some way or acting in some way that caused the breakage of the pitcher, then you're responsible whether you intended to break it or not. That's more reasonable. I can understand that. I'm responsible if I kind of shift the pitcher from one hand to another and it breaks. I didn't mean to break it, but I'm still responsible because I performed some act. So then the question is, what is excluded? In what case are you exempt? And the Gemara goes on to say, you would be exempt if it was something that happened beyond your control. If you didn't make any intentional movement whatsoever, but the pitcher broke. I'll give you an example. The pitcher was badly made. I'm holding the pitcher the right way, and it just shatters. That happens on occasion. You know, things are badly, poorly made, and they fall apart. I didn't cause it to fall apart. All I do is holding it, and it falls, and it, and it breaks. Or I'll give you another example, and now let's move it to the current, to the present day. Let's say I'm carrying something, and a truck goes by, and you know what trucks sometimes do. They spit rocks out from the tires, and it comes, and it hits the pitcher, and the pitcher breaks. I could claim that I'm not responsible for that. That was an act of God, so to speak. It was an accident. I didn't do anything. I was just standing there and the pitcher broke. In that case, Rava would say, you're exempt from any liability for injury caused by the pitcher. By the way, I have to very quickly add, and I'll refer to this later again, 
there's a principle in Jewish law, which in Jewish tradition, which acting lifnim mishurat acting beyond the letter of the law. So one might say the Rava says you're strictly, you're not liable, but you should act beyond the letter of the law and accept the responsibility, even if it, it's not legally your liability. But that's another way of looking at it. Let's assume that we're not acting lifnim mishurat adin. Let's act. Let's assume we're acting according to the letter of the law. The Gemara then asks, does that mean that Rabbi Meir would, in fact, consider you liable in a case where it was an act of God, where it was a complete accident, where you had nothing to do with it? And the answer given the, by the supporters, so to speak, of Rabbi Meir's position is yes. Rabbi Meir would say, that even if it was something that was completely beyond your control, you still are legal, legally liable for an injury caused by, to another person. So the situation then comes down to this. According to Rabbi Yehuda, if you have anything in the street, you're carrying anything in the street, and something that you did, even if it was an incidental thing, caused that to become dangerous, you are responsible. But if it's completely beyond your control, you're not legally responsible. According to Rabbi Mayer, the minute you walk into the public area, you are responsible for anything that happens to somebody else as a result of something that you have in your possession. So the minute you walk outside and you're in the public arena, you have complete responsibility, even if it was a complete accident that was completely beyond your control. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think? Think about it. Whose position makes more sense? Uh, I, I was thinking of an example. If, if I'm walking down the street with a backpack and I swing the backpack around just to uh, put it on my other shoulder or to reposition it and I hit somebody, am I, according to both of those uh, rabbis, I would be responsible and that makes sense. Well, again, what if the backpack was poorly made and I didn't overpack it or anything like that and it suddenly burst and something came out and hurt a person behind me? Can I claim I'm not responsible? Or does the very fact that I'm carrying something out onto the street make me responsible? Think about it and think about how you would answer that question. But before you do or after you do, I want you to consider something else. At the very end of a section, of this part of Bava Kama, there's a very interesting, it sounds like it's a debate, but it may not be between three different rabbis. What section of the Talmud, of Jewish law, do you need to study and, and be very careful about if you want to be considered a mensch? If you want to be considered a mensch, what do you have to study? Pardon, that is Sammy, by the way. She has not, if you hear the barking, she hasn't usually barked during my recordings. We love her to pieces, and she can bark anytime she wants. There's a dog outside. Anyway, let me go back to this. Three rabbis are arguing, or maybe they're not arguing. Maybe they're just giving different perspectives on what you have to study and what you have to be very careful about observing if you want to be a mensch. One says you have to study the sections having to do with prayer, brachot in the Talmud. The other one says you have to study Pirkei Avot and apply it to your life. Ethics of the Fathers, as it's called, Wisdom from the Sages, another section of the Mishnah which deals with ethics. We've talked about it before. The other rabbi has, though, 
If you want to really be a mensch, you have to study and practice and observe the laws in the Zikin, in the laws of the section of the Talmud dealing with damages where this section comes from. Because, in fact, we assume this rabbi meant it's daily life. And that's what's really important in the long run. It's not some ethical principle. It's not praying, but how you live your life every single day and how you take responsibility for your actions. The reason I say it's not a debate, I think they're all important. I think prayer is important. Ethical principles are important. But this important point is that when all is said and done, how you conduct yourself in your life is what makes you a mensch in essence, what makes you, what, what, what we're supposed to do as human beings. So this case that I brought up may be very minor, but think about it because every time we leave our house, every time we walk into public property, there are situations which we have to take responsibility for. And the question they're asking is where does that responsibility end? Or does it never end? And until next time, thank you.